Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 103. And tonight we're going to mix up the format a little bit. Ooh, change. I hate change. But this will be fine. Yeah, that'll be fine. I just finished watching, on Catherine's recommendation, the 2016 Blair Witch movie. And while it's still fresh in my brain, uh, we wanted to talk about it. And after that, we will take a quick break and we will listen to the newest episode of Welcome to Night Vale and recap it. But without further ado... Blair Witch 2016. With spoilers. With lots of spoilers. It's really hard to talk about a horror movie and not spoil all the things, because that's part of what makes the movie fun, is all the things that caught you by surprise. Yes, exactly. So your first impressions since you just saw it today. Well, I was really glad that I waited until it started to get dark before I watched it, because that added to it. Uh And I definitely like it, though I can see why a lot of people thought that it was just a cash grab. Well, it's odd because there's different reasons for people disliking it. One is that they loved the first one and they didn't think this was a good follow-up. Other people hated the first one and thought this was exactly like that. Other people thought, and I kind of, you know, can really see this, it's a beat for beat redo of the story of the first one. Yes. You know, a few friends get together, talk about how they're going to do this documentary. They meet with a weirdo. They go into the woods. They start getting turned around. They start fighting. People start disappearing. And then they go into the house and then they die. (laughs) Pretty much first movie, second movie, same thing. Which I guess I'm one of those people who really like the first movie, but I'm aware how much it's been lampooned over the years. Mm -hmm. So I thought this was a perfectly nice follow up. I'm also I don't know, I always give horror movies a little bit more slack because I'm like, I mean, how many Jason movies have they made? I know. Before Elm Street. I don't really expect too much. I expect to be startled. That's why I never mind jump scares. Because if I don't like have that little jerk at least once or twice in a movie, I feel like I'm not getting my money's worth. (laughs) Well, I loved the, I'm just going to say it, the wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff that happened in this. The fact that the Blair Witch messes with space and time really impresses me. And when Lane and Talia come stumbling back into the camp, and they're like, how long has it been since we left? I'm like, this afternoon? And they said, it's been five days, or maybe six. The sun's not coming up. And I'm going, ooh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Now, you and I have these nightmares. We've always had them, sort of like confusing dreams, we call them, mm-hmm. where there's something bad happening, and it's going to continue happening forever. And that's the idea that you are stuck in a horrific situation and the sun will never come up. And I'm like, Uh, yeah, because I told Nathan, we were watching this, my plan, if I were to ever get caught in the forest, completely lost, and it's dark, I would climb up into a tree and stay there until I starve. (laughs) Or until the sun comes up, which in this case, you know, wouldn't help. They went for higher gore factor in this one with that wound on her foot and her leg, didn't they? Yeah, Yeah, they did. And a lot of people complained about that. And I would, did too, because I didn't see how that was adding anything. But then yeah. I, I went on Reddit and people started talking about that. It wasn't a bug in her leg. It was a twig. She was turning into one of those stick people. Oh, oh, now that, let me tell you that, when she got really pissed off at the girl because she thought that the girl... Natalia. Uh, what yeah. was her, Natalia was hanging those things just to mess with them. And it was the one that had a piece of Natalia's hair on it. She grabbed it and snapped it in half. And I'm like, what? And then Talia gets snapped in half. So, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that just caught me so much by surprise. I did not see that one coming. No, no, I really didn't. So yeah, and that Reddit post that I went to where everyone was discussing it 
I had some cool conjectures, I think, on that. Really? First of all, well, they were thinking that the scary thing, what everybody, I think, was thinking was that the scary monster that chases them inside the house, you know, with the big, long arms. And, okay, I don't know if I'm alone here, but that sort of kind of horrifying image of something with legs that are longer than they're supposed to be coming charging after you, that is just, you know, the essence of horror for me right there. And it just absolutely, absolutely hits all the buttons right there. But... According to the screenwriter, that was not actually the Blair Witch. That's what I read in the trivia. Yeah. It was actually supposed to be one of the victims of the Blair Witch. One of the victims, or it could be Ellie Kedward, who was everyone thought was the original Blair Witch, but the Blair Witch itself could be somebody different. So, and I did think that that made mm. sense with it being Ellie because they talked about when the townspeople left her out in the forest, they stretched her. So that would be her arms getting oh, all stretched. Oh, I didn't even think about. Oh, I love people who just put stuff like that out there. I'm like, yes, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> really, really does. But the other thing that I love, the suggestion, those snapping and rock crashing noises that people heard in the middle of the night in the first and the second movie, maybe that was the sound of the Blair Witch messing with space and time. Oh, oh, that makes it even better. Oh, oh, man, I don't even know why it just freaks me out so much when they're sitting in there. And it's not just that they're hearing footsteps, which would be creepy. It's these crashing noises just out of nowhere, always terrifies Yeah, when I first heard that, and it was apparently supposed to be the sound of sticks breaking, I think, or something in the first movie, Mm -hmm. uh, my thought was it sounded like someone was snapping trees in half. That that kind of crashing in addition to breaking. Yeah, I... I was perfectly fine with this movie. I can understand why people didn't like it, but it did freak me the hell out. And it was, the imagery was wonderful. Oh, God, crawling underground. That just terrified oh, me so yeah. much. No, like I, that. Oh. oh, I told Nathan, it was like, nope, not for any amount of money. I would have just stayed in that little hole and stayed there till I died. So yeah, pretty like much not crawling through a tiny little space like that underground. Uh-uh, no. And I also thought it was kind of neat how they did it with the GoPro cameras and the other handheld cameras because one of the things that yanks you kind of out of the movie in the original Blair Witch is you're like really would anybody really be filming after all this time you Mm -hmm. would have stopped filming you would have stopped pointing the camera they tried their best to explain it but it didn't work but the GoPro cameras especially when they had several things like when he's peeing against the tree Uh you have it on and you forget that it's on and that made perfect sense to me yes I liked all of that but I keep going back to the Reddit discussion that one person, I think it was um, uh, Reddit user Mark Remark, and his biggest problem, and I kind of agree with this, he did not like the fact that they took the whole idea about Rustin Parr standing the children in a corner and turned that into a, you can't look at the witch or you'll die, because he thought that was sillier. And I loved how he explained it, that the original reason that Rustin Parr was murdering children and he would always have one of the children facing away because he didn't like them looking at him, that seems more... I don't know, real. And the comment was, it makes you think of a small child staring into a corner while something inhuman happens just behind them. Like, I I do think that is a lot more horrifying than this idea of, you know, oh, now the Blair Witch is Medusa? I I don't know. Right. And honestly, the end of the movie is as predictable as predictable gets. Of course. I mean, there is nothing that happens in this movie that you wouldn't expect. It's just the individual moments of surprise or what I like, like Talia getting snapped in half, didn't see it coming. Or the tent uh, jumping up at them for some reason. Oh my God, yes, exactly. (laughs) Oh no, did not like that. Anytime 
all the space-time stuff was weird. You know, even when they woke up that first morning, they're like, it's 2 p.m. And they're like, what? You know? Oh, just... and when you realize that this, things have gotten really bad when she sets her alarm for 7 and it goes off and it's still pitch black and it never uh, gets light again. Which, oh God! what did you think that that beam of bright light outside of Rustin Parr's house shining inward, what was that? I don't know. I was terrified they were about to tell us that the Blair Witch was an alien, which they did not do. No, they so did not do. God I was very that. glad yeah. about that. So the only other thing I could think was that that was the sunrise and the sunset, that it was just that fast. I think that's a perfect idea. I think that's great because I thought, I don't, you know, is it, you heard a whirring at the end and it sounded a little bit like the drone camera. And so I wondered at some point if the drone camera lights were shining on something. But I really like the idea of the sunrise and the sunset. Yeah, you know, me too, yeah. because it almost seems like they were leaving it open for something with that light. Just the fact that they never bothered to explain that. But then again, I sort of thought the same thing with that, you know, Ashley pulling the twig or whatever out of her leg, that there was just, there was something else that they meant to say with that that they didn't. But maybe that was really all that it was. Yeah, I... I kind of got the idea that they added that in because somebody somewhere didn't think that the movie was scary enough without some gore, which, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, true. There wasn't yeah. a whole lot of it. I mean, that no. was pretty much all of it. You know, her leg oh, and, and this thing oh, in her leg. God. Oh, God. And the pus coming out and everything. Uh, and I was like, I'm sitting here watching. I'm like, is this necessary? I don't think this is necessary. But yeah, it is pretty terrifying. And also the fact that she did a brilliant job when she comes out of the tent at one point and she's just completely... She doesn't know where anybody is. She doesn't know what's happening. I thought she did a really good job of just ramping up the tension in that moment. She is out of it. She has got an infection. She is not really conscious. And all these terrible things are happening. And she just made it even scarier. Yeah. I and I thought when she climbed up into the tree to try to get the GoPro back. So you're seeing her view, but you're also seeing her from the GoPro. And yeah. she's climbing, she's climbing. And at one point, she reaches up. And then she looks up at the GoPro, like with her head tilted down. I don't yes. know why that scares me so much. Just, <laughs> the way that she's glaring at that camera. Just, oh, <sighs> yikes. God. And it's interesting because she falls and hits the ground and then something immediately grabs her and drags her away. I don't know. I, I think something else possibly could have happened there, you know? It just seemed like a very traditional horror movie moment, you know? Something quickly drags the body out of sight. I'm like, eh. I could have had something yeah. else happen there, but yeah. that's okay. You know? Yeah. Well, right. there was there was one other question I had. So, of course, the two remaining main characters go into the house, and they're in this M.C. Escher-like collection of mazes and hallways and stairs, Ugh. and you never really figure out where you are. And at one point, Jason turns around, and there's someone there staring at him. And it's not the monster with the long legs. It's the shape that looks like, you know, covered in hair or whatever. Yeah. I figured well, it was Heather. Do you really think that might be Heather or it might, uh, might have been like Ellie Kedward or? Maybe I thought, I thought a lot of the times, cause he was definitely chasing somebody. Oh, and that's the thing in the beginning of the movie, before I forget this, in the beginning of the movie, he's got this video that he was sent by Lane uh -huh. and you see a face in the mirror and he's like, I think it's my sister. And then at the very end of the movie, all the running around and you see Lisa running like crazy through the halls of this terrible house and you see her past the mirror and it's the image. And I'm like, oh my God, my brain. You know, <laughs> so that was a wibbly wobbly. But no, I thought it was either Heather or it was the Blair Witch making him think it was Heather because he certainly made him think that Heather was there later on. So yeah. I, I assumed it was actually a very, very dead or possibly 
somehow messed with version of Heather? Well, I actually watched the movie twice because, you know, it's on Amazon Prime, so I got to watch it. And it took me the second time through to catch that bit that the tree, the tree that had been blasted by a lightning strike that Lane had originally found the tapes under, that was the same tree that was right outside Rustin Parr's house. Lisa was looking around just, just before she sees that thing, whatever it is, in the forest. She's looking, I saw, oh, crap, it's the same tree. So that would definitely be the whole, so perhaps when Lane found it, that was the original site of the house, but, you know, they've been pulled back in time to years and years and years ago before the house burned down, or maybe the witch moved the house or the tree. Right. I don't know. <laughs> they say one of the trivia things on IMDb says that when Lisa's in the house, right before she runs into Lane, mm-hmm. you see a camera lying on the ground, and it's apparently Heather's camera from where she dropped it in the first movie. Oh, so, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I know, right? You know, apparently, I think the movie's creator had offered, I don't know if this has ever been, if anyone ever took him up on this, but they offered, he offered like this cash reward to the first person to point out the Easter egg in the movie, which was the map from the original movie that apparently somewhere in one of the frames of this movie, you can see the map that got thrown away in the first movie. Oh no. Oh (laughs) man. Just, you're, you're right. The time element really did make things very awesome. I just, I also thought the Lane character, like he and the girlfriend, I thought they were just going to be the annoying, crazy people and everything, but I thought both of them added a lot to the movie. Mm -hmm. And even when Lane's been caught out, he totally faked the whole thing with the sticks, but they're telling him you have to go, and he is so terrified about going off into the woods on his own. I mean, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he's not making this up. And then to have him come back later and say it's been five days, I mean, oh, and they're they're just like totally disheveled. They look like they've been crawling through the underbrush and everything. I'm like, before that moment, the movie was moving pretty slowly. And from that moment on is when it ramped yeah, all the hell it, up. I don't think it ever actually stopped after that point. No, I mean, because no. it was very shortly after that, that all of a sudden they wake up and their entire tent and camp area is surrounded by those stick people. And there's oh, Talia's God. going, we have to go. We have to go now. I'm like, yeah, that would, that would, I don't care which direction. I would just be off. I would be yeah, running. Just go. Just, and it's only an hour and a half long, which I think is really the way you want to do a movie like this. Yes. You spread it out any further and it just feels like padding, you yep. know? Well, if you ever want another short horror movie, I finally watched Paranormal Activity and that one's 86 minutes long. So oh, I are. think that's a good length for it. That oh, sort of found okay. footage. Yeah. A lot of people were complaining about this one. They're like, oh, it's a just another movie, like, you know, Paranormal Activity activity and VHS and everything. I'm like, yes, but there's a reason why they make those because they can really scare the crap out of you. And you just don't have to put too much effort into thinking about them. Though this movie with all the little bits of trivia that goes into it, Mm -hmm. I actually think it's several steps ahead of your average horror movie. Yeah. Well, the recommendation I've uh, gotten to go on to next is the movie As Above, So Below, which is about a group of people. It's another sort of found footage one. Uh, They're exploring the catacombs underneath Paris. And it's apparently been described as more of a dark fantasy than a horror, but it is still apparently very scary. Good. I'm in. That's totally fine. I'm totally in. Speaking of like strange movies, I had a friend recommend a movie to me and I remembered part of the name and I looked it up and there was something on Netflix called Convergence. And I thought, oh, I'll watch this one. And it's so it's 
I don't know, like takes place in the afterlife, but in a hospital, but there are these people and I don't know, they have to go into a chapel when they die or something. I don't know. I'm watching it. I'm like, my God, I have no idea what the hell is going on with this movie. Well, I thought it was Convergence. Turns out my friend told me to watch Coherence. Oh, okay. Slightly different. different. Yes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But Coherence, which is an independent movie, much smaller movie, it's got a 7.2 rating on IMDb. Oh, um, that's high praise indeed. Apparently, strange things begin to happen when a group of friends gather for a dinner party on an evening when a comet is passing overhead. So I Hmm. need to check that one out. Yeah. That'll that'll be my next thing I'm going to watch. Cool. But don't watch convergence because it's weird it's just <laughs> not and not in a good way no I, but though i mentioned the story to my friend he's like oh my god is that the movie the sort of young adult movie made about the teenagers who have to pick their thing i was like no that's divergent jeez <laughs> <laughs> oh, different okay different, yeah totally that's, different. that's also slightly different yeah uh, and also not good but that's okay Anything else you want to mention about Blair Witch? No, no, that covers everything. I, I'm glad you told me to watch it. I'm definitely glad I watched it while it was dark outside. Well, just I'm, nice... just, I'm so glad I was in the mood to watch horror movies because it's finally getting cold around here and happened to look around on Amazon Prime and saw that one. I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm watching it now. So what we're going to do next is we're going to take a little pause and we are going to listen to the latest episode of Welcome to Night Vale and we'll be right back to talk about it. And we're back. Yeah, and I really have no idea what the hell was going on in that episode. I think I do, but that was really kind of rapid fire there for a little while. Sort of uh, had to keep running to uh, keep up with that particular plot, whatever it was. Yeah, Uh, in short... Cecil has Hugh Jackman stop by, which we both had a little moment where we're like, wouldn't it be cool if Hugh Jackman was really on this episode? He's not. It's totally not the same. And Cecil even says, no, that's not the real Hugh Jackman. No, but he's a representative. And before I forget, this is Welcome to Night Vale episode 117, Egemony part one, Canadian Club. That's a mouthful. But yeah, Egemony is a Dreamfluence company that bought out some other companies who bought out some other companies who hid a bunch of cases of whiskey back in the day? Yeah, apparently this company called Canadian Club hid cases of Canadian Club whiskey all over the world, everywhere, on top of Everest, you know, at the North Pole, in you know, somebody's backyard in a pool somewhere. And apparently it really destroyed the company's bottom line because nobody was buying whiskey anymore because they were just going around and finding the whiskey. They found it cheaper to get a yacht and go snorkeling at the barrier reef to find whiskey than it was to just, I don't know, buy the thing. Well, I have to admit that'd be a more interesting way to get whiskey. But anyway, so the company went under and then several companies later and now, quote unquote, Hugh Jackman, uh, has pointing out this one magazine. It's an old issue of Playboy. Ah, second. Hang on a second. Drink. Drink. It's this old issue of Playboy, which, by the way, you know, he doesn't look at any of the pictures and he only reads it for the advertisements, but there's an <laughs> advertisement in it. Yeah, there's an advertisement in there for Canadian Club. They hid one more case of whiskey and then they were going to say, you know, give you clues where it is, except the rest of the ad's blank. And the whole rest of the issue was kind of weird. Yeah, too. Uh, everything was sort of strange. Uh, some of the things apparently could not be described, I think, or they were horrifying yeah. to look at. All of the cartoons that were printed in the magazine had the same punchline. It's under Cecil's desk. That was the punchline for every single one. And Cecil, in true Cecil fashion, is like, wow, that's weird. And then just doesn't really take it any further than that. And everybody's <laughs> just like, Ugh. But, of course, Hugh Jackman 
take that with the quote marks, he wants to look under Cecil's desk and Cecil's like, well, you can't come to me for that. You've got to ask station management. And station management doesn't react very well to questions. I think they took out their new intern's eye at some point mm. before the episode started. But Hugh Jackman, with quotes, isn't at all scared now because he's actually met station management before. And he said that, you know, he and Eunice and Lily and Agatha and Demarcus and Judd and Cecil's like, who? And Hugh Jackman says, haven't <laughs> you ever learned station management's names? I'm like, we've never learned their names. <laughs> yeah, cue me and Catherine going, pause, pause, wait, back up, write that down. So we had to get all the names down. So now we have station management's names. But yeah, Hugh Jackman's not afraid and he's going to go out there and talk to them and look under Cecil's desk and get this case of whiskey. So while he steps away, um, Cecil decides to look through this issue of Playboy, and he's actually really fascinated, although not for the reason that you might think. Or maybe you didn't think that at all, because I don't think Cecil would generally like our version of Playboy. But Nightville's version of Playboy is a series of... I don't know, career histories of successful businesswomen, that sort of thing? Yeah, pretty much. And even has a spread on all of the women who've played James Bond over the years. And they're in like tuxes, one's on a motorcycle. I'm like, ah, this is fun. (laughs) (laughs) But one of the ones that he really likes, the the questionnaire from one of the Playboy uh, women, he really likes all the answers that she gave. And he finds out her name is Missy Wilkes. And that sounds really familiar, like a Missy Wilkes that lives in Nightvale. So he dials her by, you know, entering in her name in the phone, because that's how it works in a Nightvale. And he says, I loved how he said this. He said, I wonder if she knows where the case of Canadian whiskey is. And my first thought was, oh, come on, Cecil. Why would she know that? He calls her up. Yeah, she knows where it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's been waiting for him to call her for 40 years. He's like, you done anything else during that time? She's like, no, not really. I mean, I raised a family. I shot a guy once. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, she's like, have you looked under the desk? He's like, no. She's like, Cecil, look under the desk. He's like, well, first, I think we probably need to catch up on the weather. So then we went to the weather. (laughs) We have abrupt switch to the weather as Cecil is stalling. So what was the uh, name and artist for the weather this week? It's called Lost Everything. And the artist is Mary Epworth. And we've actually heard her before. She did a song called Long Gone on the episode Faceless Old Woman number 26. And I don't remember what that song was like. I thought this song was electronic and new agey and kind of weird. And it kind of makes me want to look up her other song, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I'll have to listen to that. We could have listened to it before we started the podcast again, but why would we be that prepared? I know, of course not. But we came back... And uh, Cecil's first thing, and we're back. And you hear Missy in the background, have you looked under that Cecil? No! (laughs) He really doesn't want to, but she says that everything that Hugh Jackman had told him was pretty much a lie. Hugh Jackman had said that all of the cases that had been hidden previously had been found. She said, no, they weren't found. The company actually came and got them themselves. When you leave an object in place for years and years, it absorbs the soul of the area that's around it. And I'm like... I do have an irrational attachment to inanimate objects a lot of the time, so I kind of think I believe this. Yes, yes. Well, uh, Cecil, of course, is poo-pooing the whole idea, and he's saying, okay, wait a minute. They hid these cases all over the world. Are you telling me that places like Manhattan and London and the Barrier Reefs don't have a soul anymore? And you're Missy, Cecil. Cecil's like, oh my god, you're right. (laughs) We know some people who live in Manhattan. They might argue with that. They they might not. No. (laughs) So he finally looks under the desk and there's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing. Ooh, a pushpin. 
holding an envelope. And in the envelope is a letter from somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is yep. we're starting to, it's sort of a rambling kind of letter. I apologizing for not writing sooner. I, it was written on papyrus. It's been there a while, even though, you know, that desk hasn't been there since the 60s, or has it? You know, right. Time being weird in Nightvale and everywhere else. But, yeah. but the upshot is that they said, oh, by the way, we've taken the case of whiskey and you'll have to come to us to find them. And there was a smear of foam on it. And after Cecil tastes it, which Cecil. <laughs> yeah, of course it's Cecil. Of course he's going to lick it. Yes, and it's cappuccino foam. So he says it's the baristas who have it. And they, they're living out in the caves. And mm-hmm. Missy hears this and she's appalled. And she gets apoplectic is the word, but I think it also should be apocalyptic because she's just talking about how the baristas are, and, you know, all of this flowery language, basically the baristas are gentle souls and they are not able to handle someone like Egemoni. Right. She even says they gamble like lambs. (laughs) I'm like, this is pretty descriptive and everything. But so Cecil is really not wanting to go and warn them because he hates warning people about things because warnings lead to consequences. And he really, really doesn't know what to do at this point. Yeah, but he says the only way you can insulate yourself from consequences is with the accumulation of money. I'm like, oh my God, all right. More commentary on the state of the world today by the Night Vale writers. Yeah, because the sponsor for this episode was also money and it had like... I remember they had a whole long stream of disclaimer language that was oh I've got, I've actually got that right here. It's a, oh nice, read yeah, it aloud. It was a good one. It's the whole ad for money, and then it finishes up with money may be habit forming. Symptoms may include avarice, lack of introspection, and frequent substitution of the phrase intelligent for wealthy. Please ask your doctor if money is right for you, and nod with considerable vigor when your doctor asks if you think money will complete you. Mm, and all of that is true. Oh, yes. Absolutely oh, yes. true. Yeah. <laughs> So that was the end of the episode. And this was, of course, part one of a two-part episode. They're doing those more often lately. I'm uh, yeah, I kind of like it. It sort of makes things really rocket forward, I think. Very nice. Yeah, so. And that's it. That's all we've got for Night Vale. Do you have anything else to add on the episode? No, just that um, possibly in a week we will be posting a uh, text-based conversation where we review the Night Vale novel, which we have now both read. Yes, It Devours, which I thought was a very fun read. It was, yeah. yes. Yeah, and I... I bought a e-reader copy of it. I may have to buy myself a paperback of it because they're coming to Raleigh or to ah. Dur- they're coming to Raleigh or to Durham, one or the other, when they're uh, doing their book tour. So you know, I, unless I want them to sign my e-reader, which I can't imagine would work, I'm going to have to get a physical copy of the book. Yeah, well, that would be kind of fun though if you had an e-reader with a case on it and you just got people's signatures on the outside. Ah, oh, that know? would be nice. The only problem is every time they upgrade the uh, version of the uh, e-reader, you have to buy a new case because none of the old mm. ones will fit anymore. That's a fair point. But <laughs> you mentioned they mentioned at the beginning of the episode. You know, they've got all this cool stuff in the store, and one of the new things they have in the store in the new book, it devours. There are these end papers, and it's this very colorful picture of lots and lots of teeth. And they now have tights in the Night Vale store that had the same pattern as those teeth. I'm like, that's tempting. I'm not really a tights person, but that's a pretty creepy image on the outside of that book. I could imagine going to a yoga class wearing tights that are covered with teeth. (laughs) 
They even have a pillow. They have a stuffed pillow now that's in the shape of the circular mound of teeth that you see on the cover of the It Devours book. I'm like, these guys got some really creative ideas for merchandising. I have to admit. I should say so, yeah. I still am tempted one of these days to get myself one of those if you see something, say nothing, and drink to forget flasks. Oh, that's a nice one. I've actually been most tempted by the Night Vale tarot cards. Oh, that yeah. Kind of those too. also yeah. look cool. Yeah. But that's going to wrap us up for the week, so make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all of the book reviews, the comic book reviews, Jordan's video game reviews, Stephanie posts, photo galleries. I'm hoping I can get her to do an unboxing video again at some point. I don't know if she's still getting Loot Crate. That's what she was unboxing previously. But um, anyway, also, uh, Leland has his Halloween Street podcast, which may have a new name. Keep tuned in to this space. Awesome. Yeah. And also there is Lost in Sci-Fi podcast, which we just recorded a new episode of this week, wherein we talked about Thor Ragnarok, which I did get to see last Monday. Oh boy. I need to see that because I've been seeing so many positive reviews. Everybody seems to be very happy with it. Yes. It's off the hook and a little ridiculous in places. It's not goofy. It's just ridiculous in places, but in a fun way because the whole concept of Thor is a fairly ridiculous idea to begin with. (laughs) And other than that, I guess next week we will not have a Night Vale episode yet. So we will probably talk about something going on in the Nerdosphere. So one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later. (laughs) 